Welcome to Fear and Greed, the week ahead. I'm Sean Aylmer, and as always, I'm joined at this time on a Monday morning by economist Stephen Kukoulis. You'll find him at thekook.com and on Twitter using the handle thekook. Stephen, good morning. Good morning, Sean, and what a week we've got. Very, very exciting. What's going to happen tomorrow with the Reserve Bank? Look, I think on balance they get they get a hike. I've been wrong. I assume that they'd done enough by the end of last year that with the economy slowing down both domestically and globally that they could sit tight. However, all the signals are after that uh, December quarter CPI coming in at a very elevated level and maybe just a bit more resilience, I suppose, in the labour market. It hasn't really softened up much yet. And with rate hikes from just about every other major central bank around the world, that the RBA at a 3.1% cash rate's pretty low. They probably go 25, but will signal a whole lot of caution when they make that announcement. Okay. So, in a sense, if they go 25, no one it's going to hurt. We all know that. But really, just like we found out last week with the US Fed, it's it's kind of about what they're signalling for the future, isn't it? Yes, we saw that. We did in fact see that with the Fed that you know they did hike twenty five, which was as expected. But there were a few hints and words from Jerome Powell, the the chairperson of the Fed. That, look, they were mixed comments, but I think the market had interpreted them that we're very close to the end of the rate hiking cycle in the US. The economy is slowing. Inflation is falling and the trade has put a lot of emphasis on those things rather than the more hawkish things. And so while there's one more rate hike priced into the US, they've actually got rate cuts, pretty aggressive ones priced in uh, in the second half of this year and into 2024. You know, if the RBA does a similar thing and say, well, here's a, here's a rate hike, it's probably near the end of the cycle for us because same reasons, growth is slowing, inflation's coming back lower. You know, we're arguing about how quickly the rate of inflation will fall. Then again, the, the market might get really uh, dovish and optimistic on that. And while I don't think we're going to be aggressively pricing in rate cuts here in Australia, you know, the lead from the US is quite illustrative in my view. Yeah, okay. We also get the quarterly statement on monetary policy. And one thing, that that's the Reserve Bank's quarterly statement on monetary policy. And that really adds meat to the bone, doesn't it, about what the bank's thinking? Oh, yes. This Friday, we get the, well, it's usually about 70, 80 pages of fantastic charts, fantastic economic research and analysis from the bank. Now, whether you agree with it or disagree with it, it's sort of high class, high quality work that they put into it. So they'll, they'll put in a lot of detail about why they made their decision tomorrow, you know, whatever that happens to be. And they'll put a lot more analysis and detail on the economic conditions that we're seeing right now. But importantly, really importantly, the forecasts will be something that we all jump over. What are they forecasting for inflation? What's their trajectory uh, over the next 12, 18, 24 months for inflation? Will it be back within their two to three target range? And importantly, what are they actually saying about GDP growth, the economy? Are they forecasting a material slowdown? And does that spill over into forecasts for the unemployment rate, you know, heading towards four and a half percent from the current Three and a half percent. So it'll be a great document to read, as it always is, from our friends at the bank. Okay, just on that, last week the IMF came out and it said that the Australian economy will, or it expects the Australian economy to expand at less than two percent this year. It thinks the unemployment rate will head towards four percent. With those international organisations like the IMF, I presume they don't do it independently. I mean, they must have Treasury or someone at least run their eye over it before they release it. I mean, it wasn't very upbeat about the Australian economy, though. 
No, it wasn't. And here's a secret. Admittedly, this is many years ago that I used to work in Treasury. Many years ago, I want to emphasize. But yes, the IMF did liaise with with the Treasury Department. You know, they didn't want to be putting out you know, radically different views on, on the economic outlook. So you're, you're quite right that that IMF report forecasting a slowdown is is noteworthy because it's probably going to be reflecting what Treasury and to some extent the RBA is thinking. Now, the IMF's probably a, a month or two old in terms of its forecasting profile, but nonetheless, that slowdowns are happening. And one thing I would note what, that I'm going to be looking for, you might recall a couple of years ago, there was this discussion about a per capita GDP recession, <laughs> uh, which was sort of a cute way of looking at GDP per person. And with immigration really r- romping back now with the borders reopened and students coming back and these sorts of things, it's likely that in 2023, the population growth will increase by around about 1.5% here in Australia. So if GDP forecasts are 1.5% or not much more, then we're basically having per capita GDP going sideways, no growth at all. And that's why I suspect a lot of people are feeling you know, a bit miserable at the moment, why consumer sentiment's still pretty weak. Just a couple of ones, which you probably don't spend a lot of time on normally, but they are pretty significant this week. The December quarter retail sales, and why I say that is significant is because we had the December month retail sales, which went back, it was 3.9% or something, minus 3.9%, which no one really believes. Correct. And there's a, there's a seasonal quirk in the... November, December monthly retail sales numbers, you know, the Black Friday sales season, November spike, and then December, it, it, it falls back down. So in a sense, that can be explained. But this is where the December quarterly numbers are so good, because that, by definition, overlaps both October, November, and December. And it turns it into a volume, like a real growth in retail sales. So the retail sales numbers that we see on a month-on-month basis are just the dollar value that you and I and everybody spends in the retail outlets. What actually matters for the economy more than that, arguably, is in volume terms. So uh, it's like the real GDP number. And this is, in fact, one of the building blocks into real GDP. And what we do know, that for the quarter in nominal terms, dollar terms, retail sales only rose by 0.9%. We know from the inflation numbers that the price deflator, the inflation rate for retail goods and services was probably 1.5% or thereabouts. And that's why the market consensus is looking for, you know, a pretty chunky fall in real retail sales in the December quarter. And that's going to put a big hole in the building blocks for GDP. The other one which I'm just interested in is international trade. And not most, I mean, again, we don't spend a lot of time on that particular figure, but there have been reports over the past seven days or so, of coal ships leaving docks and heading to China again. You know, the, the the relationship between China and Australia certainly has improved. And there was another report last week about the head of Treasury Wines, for example, which obviously were hammered by tariffs out of Beijing, heading back to China to try and find customers again. That relationship's improving, which is probably good news for our international trade figures. And the fact that China's reopening its economy from the COVID lockdowns is good news too. And one of the bright spots, I suppose, for the global economy in 2023 will be China uh, and its economic recovery. And we've seen that in some other commodity prices. So it's not just the stuff that we're exporting. You're quite right about the coal and the wine and even things like lobsters and barley will eventually hopefully get back onto that uh, trade flow. That it's actually going to be 
feeding into what's already a fantastic trade performance. Again, I'm old enough to remember the Banana Republic days when we're running massive trade and current account deficits. The number that we're going to be seeing this week is a monthly trade surplus of around about 13 or $14 billion. You annualise that, it's about a, you know, $150 billion a year, maybe a little bit more, that we're actually running on an international trade surplus. And with China improving, buying more of our stuff and still paying us a really high price for it. You know, the outlook for the trade sector is actually really positive. Uh, might be one reason why the Aussie dollar has been spiking in recent times too, you know, into this low 70, 71, 72 cent range which we're in. You're going to enjoy this week, aren't you? Love it. The RBA is always fun. The quarterly statement's fun. And, you know, the run of data is just adding to that fun. Fantastic. Stephen, have a great week. Thank you, mate. Thank you, Sean. That was economist Stephen Kukulis, better known as The Kook. You can find him at thekook.com and follow him on Twitter using the handle The Kook. I'm Sean Aylmer and this is Fear and Greed, the week ahead. Fear and Greed.